0: Hello, and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I virtually sit down with Mr. Jason Cardiff. Jason's the CEO and co-founder at Clean O2 Carbon Capture, a Calgary-based company with global clients and a 15-year history of being a startup. Jason takes us inside, his views on why a business to be successful needs to be hard, it needs to be difficult. Why as an entrepreneur and, the, and, and somebody with a core idea, you need to be really open to external inputs and what other people might have to say about your idea even when that might not feel so good the twists and turns of being in the Calgary environment from 2005 when the startup ecosystem wasn't what it was today and some of the resources that we have available and some of the actual true real life stories of Jason walking us through where they've received support that's really made a make or break difference and allowed them to grow their organization join me for a conversation with Jason Cardiff Hello to my friend, Jason Cardiff. How are you doing, Jason?
1: So far, so good.
0: Excellent. How is your, uh, as we're a little bit chatting offline, how is your series of days ending and why going? Uh, we're, we're, we're hard into six weeks of the COVID crisis and work from home. And how, is, how are you and your team and how's, how are you adjusting to this new world
1: on your end? I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, obviously, uh, it's the, the joys of being in a startup company is that, you know, we were flexible before the pandemic and being able to adapt to new situations. So this is just sort of uh, similar to, to what we've already been through. So, you know, it's it's been interesting of, of, of you know, how do we engage our, our current partners and customers and, and how do we tell a different story and how do we, you know, how do we adapt? But, uh, you know, as I said, we've, we've always been very flexible and that's sort of one of our, our uh, I, th- I think, that we're th- things that we do very well so it's going well. It's going okay.
0: It's, it is very interesting that certain companies, certainly that I've talked to, depending on your culture and where you were, yes, it's inconvenience and yes, it's different, but definitely some companies have been able to kind of roll with it uh, uh, to make it to oversimplify uh, a little bit better than others for sure. And kind of your culture and your DNA and how you functioned before definitely made a big difference on how jarring it was versus just like, okay, well, it looks a little bit different, but you know, Hey, we're going to adapt and keep, keep rolling on. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting from the standpoint of, of talking because we we deal with customers both in Canada and the U.S. and, and seeing how uh, their perspective and how they're dealing with uh, uh, with this current pandemic. It's it's really it's, it's it changes depending on what region of the country and uh, and what area of the with the world we're we're talking to and and how they're handling their 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 version of the pandemic.
0: That's interesting. So what? yeah, that's that's a rabbit hole I could dive down a little bit because I'm like, "Hmm, now I'm curious. So yeah, can you give a few just just different perspectives? Because of course, I I live in my own little bubble and see things from my own perspective. So what have you been seeing out there? Is anything that's uh, jarringly different? Like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting you guys to be looking at it that way. That sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, I, you know, all of it, I guess, ultimately rolls back to how they're initially or how they're being impacted by the pandemic. But you know, places in in some of the conversations in BC, everything's just gone, you know, super quiet uh, with little, very little uh, uh, conversation because they've got obviously bigger fish to fry because the numbers are greater and and uh, you know they're 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 adjusting to their new normal. Whereas in other places like in the U.S., where it's you know it's it's slowed down, but you know, there's still sort of a feeling of, of of hope that this is going to blow over, you know, relatively soon, and they're, they're, you want to get things back in gear. Uh, and then you you know you're talking to people overseas in Europe uh, where you know they're they're cautious, but they're you know they're they're rolling out strategies to find ways to, to conduct business in this this new normal, and uh, you know in 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 uh, uh, in the Asian uh, area countries that we're, we're dealing with uh, you know, it's, it's sort of looking like it's going back to business as usual. So it's, it's really quite I, a, I've, been a definitely hearing,
0: I've definitely been hearing at this week that there's a lot more, everything's coming back online and we're kind of, you know, I know there's lots of concerns of like, is there a second wave and what that looks like, but it uh, certainly is a sense of optimism to see other parts of the world that kind of mm-hmm. were in ahead of us coming out and seeing what they're doing. And now getting, so hoping hopefully seeing a little bit of that roadmap and learning from it where we can.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly.
0: And so, from your perspective, and we'll dive into a little bit your business and what you guys focus on. But as an overall, are you and this is maybe where bullish, bearish? What are your, what are your feelings on this crisis? Is it going to end us, put us in a better place down the road? Again, completely being very very sensitive to these these are these are real challenges for people right now. But this this conversation, this this podcast, is a lot about where we're headed in the future. So, what are your thoughts? Have you peer peer beyond the end of the hood here a little bit, a couple hundred yards out?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on what. What channels we're talking about? I, I don't think, frankly, I don't think we're going to come out of this uh, in Alberta as rosy as some people are are uh, maybe projecting. Just because we're, you know, it's a different beast, and that we're largely focused on the energy sector, which was already kind of in a slump to begin with. And then on top of it, you've got this pandemic and lots of layoffs. I think it's going to be a, a, a maybe a deeper struggle for Alberta as a whole to to pull out of this. But you know, we're 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 pretty adaptive as a as a as a community um we' are we have been down this road before uh you know referring to uh, you know things back as you know back in the eighties of the national energy plan uh so I think locally we're going to get hit harder than maybe than what we're anticipating but um there, you know there is a silver lining on the other side of that and that we're we are going to uh, pull through and we are going to uh to do well eventually um as a whole, I think the, the global economy is is probably going to take a, 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 a hit um, harder in other areas than, than here, perhaps, but uh, I, I think uh, we're certainly looking at it from the perspective as, a, as an opportunity for us to be able to help people, and it's kind of a, a unique pers- uh, perspective that we're in that we can offer services that uh, that can actually allow our business to flourish. So I think businesses that are, are able to, to adapt and to still offer value to communities and to uh, to other organizations, I think will do very well. But I think it will also mean that other companies will probably uh, need to really reflect on what it is that they're actually offering as a business and, and either adapt or, or perhaps face uh, some, some very uncertain times.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I think that there's a lot of industries like if you're in the midst of being transformed which sometimes feels like disrupted depending on which side of that equation you're on this is certainly kind of a universal amplifier for those like and i like what you said the the need to be able to show and drive value and if the way you offered services before no longer aligns with the way things have rapidly changed. that's going to be tough times for sure. The need to, you know, I think there's a meme going around probably most of us have seen now. It's like, oh, you know, who is responsible for digital transformation in our company? And it's the CEO, the CFO, COVID-19 circled. You know, like there, yeah. there's so many uh-huh. things that are being forced now where the, 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 the luxury of like, well, let's just see how it unfolds. Like it's unfolding and it's unfolded. And I think that that is a tough, is, is a reality. I'm, I'm bullish on the fact that, when forced, we can be very resourceful. When allowed mm-hmm. to rest on our laurels as companies, sometimes we do. You know, sometimes, you know, well, don't, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's, you're, you're definitely seeing the stress factors right now, but not to be too philosophical. Um, we're talking about economic transformation in Calgary. It's very hard to have that conversation without talking about it on a, broad, on a broader scale. As, as we've universally all been shown that we are all in this together <laughs> globally, not just mm-hmm. Western Canada or Alberta or, or Canada for, for, by itself. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective on, I've talked to a few guests and they said, well, you know, we should be pretty, like, to your point, there's a reality of we're getting hit with kind of two black eyes and maybe a broken nose at the same time. So we already, we already just came out of a fight the last five years, but I've heard it said that, well, you know what? We should be better positioned than if we hadn't been back on our heels for five years because the rate of change, the openness to evolving new industries, the support systems through CD startup platform, a variety of them, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out, that we actually are in a good position to come out of this, the fact that we were already struggling a little bit before. I thought it was an interesting way to positively twist something that felt a bit negative at at the same time. So as a quote unquote startup, and we'll talk about that a little bit, how do you see the fact that Calgary has been pretty, we've been struggling the last five years, but we've also been doing a lot of initiatives to try to get ready or to, to change, to evolve. So any thoughts on that from kind of being on that journey yourself?
1: Yeah, I, you know, if, if I could make any comment about our current ecosystem in Calgary, is that we are really entrenched in in innovative people and communities and organizations, and and with sort of a can-do attitude. Uh, and that's not new; that's that's always been the way uh, that yes. Calgary and and Alberta has. It's 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 a mentality; it's part of who we are. So I think um, just because we've had so many experiences with downturns and in the energy sector and other economies, that we're just we're kind of we're almost we're almost conditioned to this, where it's like, yeah, you know what? It's <laughs> it's storming outside, but you know we can dance in the rain. We can we can keep going. We can uh, we can carry on with this. It's not going to be pleasant. There's going to be a lot of hardships that we're going to have to face. But this is this isn't anything that we're not entirely unfamiliar with. So I, I'm very hopeful from from a standpoint of just. You know, we, we've shown our colors before, and I have no doubt that we'll show our show our colors again.
0: Yes, I, I agree. I think there is a resilience and a sense of community here. That, and you said it earlier, like how can you help and how can you add value? And I think that that's shining a spotlight on that right now more than ever. And to me, that's a real positive. And that sense of Calgary is the biggest small town, or certainly from my best, biggest small town I've ever lived in. And mm-hmm. in times like this, it's that coming together that does make a difference. But yeah, so, talking yeah. a little bit about about clean O two carbon capture, you guys have been you referred yourself as a startup. But, and I also see on your LinkedIn that you guys have been around for fifteen years, so curious about just even the perspective of you know you uh, if I heard you correctly, you referred to yourself as a startup but you 've been around for fifteen years how 's that journey been, and like you 've seen different sides of Calgary in those fifteen years of of, of driving at this thing
1: yeah, you know the, um, the the defining characteristics of what a startup is always puzzles me, and i'm you know I call ourselves a startup because that seems to be the 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 trendy thing, and and it's a lot of the, the markers of a startup sort of still echo with us, but, yeah, we have been around for a long time. Now, to put that into perspective, we started developing our technology back in 2005 just to make this stuff work. We just wanted to have a device that could have a meaningful impact in reducing carbon emissions from the heating industry, but we weren't really looking at it necessarily from a business perspective. We were just looking at it as trying to overcome a problem from a business perspective, we've really only sort of been diving into, you know, okay, well, we've got this cool technology. It works, you know, it works reasonably well. We've got a viable product. How do we improve it? And then from that, how do we build a business around it? So really, you know, we were incorporated in 2013, uh, and from that point in time is when we've really sort of I've uh, been trying to adapt uh, the technology and a business model around uh, that technology. So it's, um, you know, we haven't uh, we haven't made a, a tremendous amount of cash from the, the revenues that we have generated, but we are, mm-hmm. you know, we are selling products, and we do very well when we when we when we do sell those products. And of course, the the, the pivot into the soap and detergent uh, industry has only been maybe a year old and it was just sort of an answer because, for uh, trying to adapt
0: cuz you know i'm going to circle back to something you and i talked about in our pre chat like are you guys a carbon capture company or are you a soap company, a soap company
1: we're almost i think way. we're
0: keeping the audience in the dark here a little bit too oh. we haven't really well maybe let's let's give that you got 30 seconds we're in the elevator we're five floors away what is clean o2 carbon capture technologies
1: all right, CleanO Two Carbon Capture Technologies is a company focused on reducing carbon emissions from the commercial heating industry by taking those recycled, by taking the recycled carbon and converting it into products that we use every day. Currently, we're largely focused on the soap and detergent industry because that is the thing that everybody gets. It's the tangible product that everybody understands. So instead of just saying, "Hey, we're capturing carbon." We're actually capturing carbon with the purpose of turning it into something that people understand and they use on a regular basis and and uh, and it's not uh, it's not uh, a hard reach for people to engage with in terms of understanding energy efficiencies and carbon reduction strategies and then on top of it all personal hygiene which of course is very relevant in today's uh, today's market
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you, perfect intersection it's so I think I love how you said that it's so true like carbon capture uh, you could talk about it around the dinner table but I would argue and I'll put myself in this i'm like do i really know what they mean like do i really 100 percent? and but it gets floated around a lot and it's a very but i'm like oh we capture carbon and then we turn it into something usable all of a sudden you're giving me the ability just as an individual to draw that line really quickly that's interesting did you guys was that almost a necessity did it just like i'm curious because that seems like a pretty big pivot from yeah we're in carbon capture but oh no actually we're in soap like i I'm just curious as a start as a startup again using that word again that seems like a pretty interesting jump, how you guys got from there to there, even in your own journey.
1: Yeah, it really was a, a pivot. We went through the the local uh, accelerator program through the University of Calgary uh, called uh, Creative Destructive Labs. And during. Oh, you guys were that, in CDL. Oh, we CDL comes CDL, up a yeah. lot on
0: the show. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great.
1: Yeah, what an amazing program. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the biggest fans. Uh, you know, if I had a foam hand and a cheerleader suit, I'd be wearing that for the CDL gang on a regular basis just because it was so impactful in, in helping us identify who we are as a business. Uh, I can't say enough good, good things about uh, CDL from the mentorship from the, the MBA uh, students that, uh, that helped us out to just the, that's great the,
0: well one of the questions is what's the city what are we doing what are we doing well and to obviously your experience and a multiple guests and i've had evan hugh and judy fairburn both brothman on the show mm-hmm. that are actively part of cdl and i i i'm yet to hear a bad story about it you know like everyone i have talking to no matter what part of the journey they were involved in that organization seems to have really made it's a differentiator for us in the city
1: yeah yeah and hey where else are you going to get a chance to meet chris Hatfield?
0: <laughs> yes. The Yeah. Absolutely. I'm in. Count me in. Yeah. <laughs> I'll slide me out. Yeah. Oh, that's. how oh, so you guys. You guys went through that problem. Is that? Was that part of? Was that part of the evolution to soap?
1: <laughs> it was entirely. So prior to CDL, we were really struggling with the business model. None of us had any. Real experience in business development. Uh, it was our first kick at the can. It was, you know, bunch of chemistry and and heating nerds trying to figure out how how to make money off of this technology we they developed and you know we had a good line of sight of what the market looked like but we certainly didn't know how to translate that into a, a business model that would work and one of the most common comments that made that was made in the CDL program and with other you know investors that we had approached is you know if you're dealing with an arbitrage play of commodities where you know we just to back up we essentially our chemical or our technology we plug in a cheap chemical uh, it converts it into a more valuable chemical, and then we pull it out. And then we initially we were just going to sell that off to industry, and that was that was going to be our play, just an arbitrage play. But it had a bunch of holes in it that our investors and mentors get poking and saying this model doesn't work. So we really sort of had that 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 inflection moment of saying, okay, well we have two choices: we either abandon the years and years of effort we've put into this and say, well, you know, we tried and gave up, or you know, we get creative, and that's where we sort of realize. Well, look, you know, this this chemical that we're producing is a, a commonly used chemical in the soap and detergent industry. Why don't we just go out and make some soap? I mean, it's not that complicated to make. Now. I will say that I, I make it sound like making soap is not that complicated, and making making <laughs> soap isn't that complicated. But making quality soap is very complicated, which is why we uh, have. Okay, to bring I appreciate the qual-
0: the quantifier of good of what, you know, what makes a good quote unquote good soap.
1: There is so, a difference. And I, I can, yeah,
0: yeah I, 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 I imagine there is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that the soap that my wife and I made in our kitchen is not anywhere near as good as the soap. Uh, that uh, that uh, our white label uh, providers, right? Uh, locally, uh, All Things Jill, the apothecary. She she makes an amazing product. Uh, same with uh, our commercial products, uh, Ostrom Chemicals in in Edmonton. They they do a fantastic job in, in uh, providing us with uh, with a, a quality product. So, but it was a total pivot. It was just something that we hadn't anticipated. The irony is that our name is Cleano Two. I mean. When we came up with the name for the company, it was supposed to be a derivative of how do we associate carbon dioxide into a company name, a company image. So we just came up with mm-hmm. Clean O Two. We didn't anticipate that actually having a, a, a something that would relate to cleaning products that we were we were going to be touting, uh, you know, years later.
0: <laughs> that's naming uh, as, as someone who works in marketing. Naming can be one, uh, or not can be. It is one of the most challenging because two, if you've got a good name, it's already taken and you can't get it. And then, and then also something that's relevant enough as you evolve. So you guys uh, a, a little foreshadowing there in that, and and you guys had come up with a name obviously long before. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, it's uh, just by pure uh, pure chance that, uh, that we ended up where we're at today. Uh, to uh, I to- still
0: I still can't resist the sharing this, and I think and I did make this joke already when you and I were chatting. It's you and Ed Norton, Tyler Durden, and you're in the kitchen making soap, like anyone. This has got Fight Club written all over it. For me, I don't know why. I guess I'm really <laughs> dating myself now. <laughs> yeah. I know I made that joke to you before, but as you're talking, I'm picturing you in the kitchen in the old rundown house doing soap or whatever God-forsaken thing you guys are doing in there. But that's so interesting. That the, what what a what a pivot for you guys to go, but hearing that it was the ecosystem and having those mentors and surrounding yourself with those people that helped you or, or maybe forced you to look at your business through a very different lens. That's, that's an interesting journey. I think a lot of startups, uh, I not even take the word startup, but anyone who's evolving something that was a core idea that maybe is going to look very different down the road Sometimes as, as creators, it's hard to get out of our own way. That's, that's a very real human. thing. Yeah.
1: I had to take a, I mean, you know, you can't help, but go into any accelerator program with a little bit of ego and pride. I mean, this is your child. This is your, you know, your creation and to have somebody you don't know, you really don't know, even though they have, you know, these, this tons of business acumen and experience and, and then huge portfolios. When somebody comes to you and, you know, pokes holes in the thing that you love and you, you've poured your heart and soul into and to say it's wrong and it isn't going to work, you, you get a little, you have to be able to let those feelings go. And that was a big challenge for me was to, to look at the comments that were being made objectively and put bias and personal opinion aside and, and really dive into what it was that they were saying. And I think that was, uh, that was the thing that saved us was just to be able to just listen to what, to what was being said.
0: And is that, you know, I was going to ask like what advice you would give, you you kind of just gave it. I'm thinking about the amount of like, we got a, we got a city full of really smart people. And I've talked to a lot of individuals where they, you know, talking to Daniel Torrey over at startup. And she's like, sometimes these people come in and they've been in their basement for so long and didn't want to share the idea and wanted to protect it or hide it or, or make it, make it perfect. And, you know, she was like, bring us your napkins, bring us your back of the envelope, like get it out and take it for a walk. And like be open to the experience, but you're right. The second ego and you know my precious, you know I'm picturing Gollum and uh, Lord of the Rings starts to get into play. Like it's it's hard to grow from that place, as we know what happened to Gollum at the end. But uh, yeah. we're, so we yeah, we worked true. Fight Club, we worked Lord of the Rings into this into this podcast so
1: far. No, hey, you can't really have a good conversation without a Lord of the Rings reference. That's I guess man, <laughs> my, it's, wife, it's my wife would
0: be proud yeah absolutely but you know i guess is is there is there a sweeping advice that you would give of you know we're always on the journey but sounds like what you guys went through like you'd invested a lot of time and energy before you brought in some people to quote unquote uh you know help you slash beat up your idea yeah
1: i mean really that i think as i mentioned earlier it's all about being flexible and, and open to input you know be 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 willing to have somebody tell you your idea sucks but you know, be also willing to, to take the advice of, you know, how to change it. If it's just somebody coming in and they're just, you know, raining on your parade and not providing you with any insight of how to alter it, well, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But if they're telling you it sucks or they're telling you that you need to, to make some changes and here's how they think it could play out, well, you know, take that into account because that's, that's probably, you know, that there's probably some real value in, in just listening and remaining flexible to, to, to new ideas and, and adapting.
0: Yeah, be, criticizing without substance is is like to be honest, it's it's pretty easy. I think there's lots, there's a million quotes out there about sure. that versus what yep. it takes to actually create. So when you think about your own journey, and it, which sounds like it's it's gone through the twists and turns, you've definitely put in the time. When you think about Calgary as a city that was going through economic transformation, and now more than ever, that that reality is is upon us, with like very little room to hide. I guess. What do you, what have you seen in the ecosystem of things we're doing really well, or things that that are setting us up for success? And also, let's be let's be transparent. The show is about being real. Or have you seen any things that you're like, okay, guys, like we got to get out of our own way, especially, you know, I don't want to put the filter of everything being COVID and crisis, but especially now that mindset or those hoops or that red tape, like that's got to go. So anything, if you were going to kind of rewrite a little bit of the game plan, where's, what do we keep and what do we leave behind?
1: Yeah. You know, the industry for, uh, for early stage companies has really changed since we, you know, took a kick at this in 2005 Uh, you know, there were no viable, you know, Accelerator programs available in 2005. Um, there weren't any really support structures to help early stage companies. The funding and and you know uh, the avenues that were available seem to be tailored to established, uh, deeply entrenched companies. Um, so it's been remarkable to see this transformation in terms of allowing early stage companies. The opportunities to to develop their ideas. I think we still have a long way to go in terms of of, of supporting other avenues, um, but you know they're doing a, a far better job in creating sort of a tech hub. And, and promoting new ideas, uh, acknowledging that the energy infrastructures are changing, and finding supportive ways to, to bring in these new ideas in a meaningful way, and funding them appropriately—it's uh, it's really has come a long way. So I think, I think, I certainly think we're on the right track in terms of, of supporting new ideas and, and the changes that are inevitably coming to, to, uh, to a number of industries, including the energy sector. Um, but, you know, where I think there needs to be some improvement is in not necessarily just focusing in on what big industry and universities have to offer, but to also pay attention to what some of the colleges have to offer. Of course, I'm, I'm a, you know, a plumber by trade, uh, and you know, I mentioned to you before, but you, know, you really don't see a lot of involvement from the trade community in the clean tech. Uh, sector and and I, I, I wonder why that is you know the, the the avenues are they not painted clearly enough or uh, I you know I, I work with a lot of innovative people uh, uh, tradespeople uh, in in this uh, in this province uh, some of them are, are are you know they've got that entrepreneurial spirits by starting their own plumbing and and heating industry or electrical industry or what have you but yet they're not. At these conferences, they're not at uh, you know they're not being talked about. So why is that? So I think that's I think there needs to be a more uh, sort of uh, stronger push towards supporting uh, you know the the blue collar solutions to uh, to to big problems.
0: That's an interesting perspective. And it's something we haven't talked about much on the show. I, I'm excited to explore that a little bit because you know, when I think of the, you know, the quote unquote blue collar for just the sake of the term, but these are tradespeople that are hands-on with real problems. They're, they work on real things every day, like the physical world. Sometimes when you think of technology, it's like sometimes things live in the ether so much, it's hard to conceptualize it. But when you think about you're out there on a job site, whatever that is, you're seeing the same problem over and over again. And a lot of times that the innovation or the creativity that comes out of like I'm just sick of seeing the same problem. It's powerful when you're hands on when you've got hands on the tools or the parts or whatever it might be. It's interesting why there is that bit of a gap. And I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I now that you've said it, I'm trying to think of where I've seen it overlap. And maybe in the oil and gas sector, I've heard of I know people that are, were like guys that really were on on site and go, "This is a problem. We need to fix it." But otherwise, it feels like it's dif- two different camps. It's an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we really bring a, a different hmm. uh, angle of approach to problems. You know, you, typically you find the engineers come at it from a from a you know from a numbers perspective or from a from a you know a, a book perspective. I don't know else to refer to it. Build
0: um, build, build a formula for about yeah a day. exactly.
1: Whereas you know the 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 trades community are out there, as you said, we're you know. We're, we're not just thinking about the problem, we're dealing with it. It's right in front of us. So, you know, sometimes those solutions are not readily available, so we have to get creative out in the field. And that was, you know, the sort of the same catalyst for the whole notion of reducing carbon emissions from the heating industry. It wasn't a case of referring to engineers and, and faculty to come up with a solution. It was just a case of, okay, well, what's on the shelf what works, what has worked, what hasn't worked, you know, on the backs, I should say, on the backs of, of the work that these engineers and scientists have done. So I don't want to discount the Yeah, work that's, that funny.
0: yeah that's the funny, that's interesting thing about in- innovation where, you know, it's never on an island because wherever you're starting from, someone's already innovated to get you to that
1: point. Like exactly. If you're
0: starting from here, there's a lot of innovation that happened pr- pr- prior to that.
1: Yeah, I think it's important not to discount the work that they've done. I think, uh, you know, I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at, were it not for some of the work of, of you know, some of the the, the people like uh, Dr. David Keith at the University of Calgary who came up with uh, the, the catalyst for what's now carbon engineering uh, in Squamish. So, you know, some of that had some some levels of of inspiration to the to the work that we've we've done today. Um, but that's not to say that that you know the the trade community doesn't have their own take on these ideas and, and being able to mm-hmm. relay them in a meaningful fashion that can be turned into profitable businesses that can help drive growth in the clean tech uh, sector.
0: Which is the opportunity, right? And that's even why we called the show Collisions. The whole point is colliding different groups that don't normally talk or don't necessarily come together. Because, you know, I've... I've been in a lot of rooms and ideas don't exist usually on an on a, on a in a bubble and and a single individual is usually didn't come up with that you get in you get into a dialogue and someone brings a different perspective to yours and then all of a sudden this new idea emerges so i think the more that we can get everybody off the sidelines and communicating around solving problems and, and making the future better all those perspectives are, are hugely valuable so if there's a group being left out to me that's the problem whoever whatever group that might be
1: yeah yeah i agree
0: Oh, interesting. So I've had some conversations with a few guests. And I'm curious from your perspective, and I've heard that you know the government uh, the, does a really good job of helping fundraise or, or provide support. Be careful the words I'm using here. Provide support in the innovative R and D phase. But I've heard, and I'm curious of your experience, if you've got any optics on this, that when it gets to commercialization and there's that gap between, like, okay, we did our research and we did, you know, we had IRAP or we had Shred or we had whatever program in place to help us get to here, but then all of a sudden, there's that gap where nobody kind of wants to touch you because you don't have revenue yet. The government feels they've kind of done their part to get you to a certain point. Now you've got to make that jump to get a company to take a chance on you to actually truly commercialize and start getting revenue. But investors don't want to invest because you don't have revenue yet. I've heard that feedback from a few guests that that, that is a very real gap that they've experienced in this market. Curious being on the journey as long as you have. Do you run into anything like that or seen that through the,
1: through the, the ecosystem? Yeah, you know, uh, coming at it from our, our I, I think the avenues for funding are more suited for students from universities to to get access to to some of those funding strategies. Uh, it's more challenging to come at it from, uh, from you know, from a, you know, a grassroots sort of approach. But that's not to say that those opportunities aren't there. We have had significant help from Alberta Innovates in the past who have been very uh, influential in, in providing us with financial support for things like our patent that we have or some of the market research that we've done or um, uh, our CSA UL listing on our products. So they've been they've been tremendously helpful, um, whether it's the, uh, the, the federal uh, shred credit uh, or mm-hmm. the provincial shred credit. Well, of course that's gone now. But um, it, when it was there, yes, yeah, that was, so was going to be
0: my next question. So, any comments on that being removed? It was <laughs> the I, dumbest I've idea had. Ever. Some guests that that yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the universal uh, yeah. theme around that. What the. What the heck was that all yeah, about? Yeah, and same
1: yeah. with Alberta Investor Tax Credit. That was another one that we got hit. We lost we lost investment because of that. Like we had just, you know, we had investors. Oh, wow. So that, you guys had a
0: direct, tangible, like yeah. we had this, this happened, we lost it. Oh,
1: yeah. we lost it because of that. And I just, I can't, you know, like, like mm-hmm. at least let us play through because we'd already been approved for funding. Let this <laughs> play round through. play through <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, next year. But I had to go back to investors and say, you know, hey, thanks for your cash. I really appreciate it. Oh, and you remember that uh, credit I offered you? Yeah, sorry, I can't. I can't do that now. So, you can imagine what that conversation, it was a pretty uncomfortable conversation. Oh, wow. Wow. So, so uh, um, that, that
0: feeds exactly kind of right into that, that, that no man's land of that, of what gets you from here to actually getting it out and you, and, and helping bridge that gap. And those, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that makes me sad to hear that. Cause it just seems so unnecessary for, we're, we're, we're saying we're, we're, we value this, but then we're doing things that actually hurt it. That, that's
1: well, I mean, and it was funny too because I I, I remember uh, uh, both Jason Kenny and Andrew Shear actually uh, on their Twitter uh, media uh, broadcasts uh, talk about CleanO Two and this innovative company that was converting carbon emissions into uh, uh, into useful products like soaps and detergents. But then they go around and they turn turn these two funding strategies that we were relying on and, and cancel them. It was like, oh, well, you know. You're sending me mixed ses- uh, messages here, guys. Like, are, are you yeah, supporting Yeah, that feels us, like right hand, hand,
0: right hand and left hand. Right
1: hand left hand are talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that was kind of a. Uh, but you know, once no, again, you hear
0: things. You hear things like that. Those have those have long-reaching negative impacts on our on this eco on that that evolution and that change that we say is really important. But when you hear about something like that, that kind of goes well. If it was important, then why are you take why are you taking out some of the things that are actually helping like prop it up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it was. Uh, once again, it comes back to the fact that we're very adaptive and this isn't the first time we've had a door slammed in our face Been told no, or told that, you know, we can't, uh, we can't do thing. Um, but, uh, you know, we, um, we just learn to adapt and, and move past that.
0: So for you guys curious, and I know, I know you've got some local investment, when you look at, when you look at investment and getting, bringing money in, is it, Typically, are you finding? And if I'm asking, if I'm getting too, if I'm getting too down the rabbit hole of uh, of how it works, please tell me. But like, are you? Is it local investment that you guys are getting? Are you being able to go internationally, broader? Like, is there an audience that's looking in at, at at companies in Calgary like yours and saying, "Yeah, there's an opportunity here. We're going to invest." Or have you been more reliant on local investors?
1: I think the local community from investment is good for small friends and family round. I don't think Calgary is necessarily uh for the uh, larger uh, good for larger investments from a hardware perspective. I think if you have a clear line of sight through software platforms or things that are really tangible and the line of sight to to uh, to commercialization are clear and well mapped out, I think Calgary is probably a good spot maybe. But if you're talking about you know creating an entirely new industry with hardware, uh, it's a tough sell here in Calgary. I think you're better off, better suited looking uh, beyond Calgary's borders for, for that investment. Uh, we are working with uh, uh, a venture capital firm uh, in Quebec and uh, uh, we have had, uh, um, in terms of uptake, uh, uh, stronger uptake in in uh, uh, adopting our technology from uh, from overseas as well as the U.S. Like it just seems like, you know, Alberta's got the potential for it, but it's not. Uh, it's just not a good. It's not a good fit here for, for us.
0: That's I've heard that from a few other people that, you know, unfortunately we get these like quote unquote great companies, but they've got to either leave or go somewhere else for funding or that their business actually doesn't exist here, which that's okay. You can be based somewhere and have your clients somewhere else. That's fine. But when the ecosystem isn't supportive of that, that's interesting. So when you go abroad or when you go into markets like Quebec, is there any hindrance because you're in Alberta? You know, I've heard from some guests and I do believe this myself occasionally that we don't tell our own story that well about what really goes on here until you're actually here. So has that been a hindrance? at all like do you do you have to tell the what is an alberta story when you get out there looking at things more broad mm-hmm. on a broader global no scale? not really
1: they they they're pretty different in terms of i mean we always want to broadcast that we're an alberta-made solution and a canadian-made solution we're very proud of that and we talk about that but um the the tone of these conversations whether it's our our friends at centerpoint energy in minneapolis or or you know tokyo gas or NG or any of these other companies that we're talking to, it's not. It's not about the region it comes from. It's it's the solution itself. Like you know, it's
0: it's about it's it's about it's, the value. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. fair. That's interesting. NG, yeah. Always always curious about where where we can the potential of, of doing a, a quote unquote better job of telling the Alberta story, but it circles right back to what you, you know, what we talked about at the beginning of going through this crisis. It's about the value you can provide to your customers. What really matters at the end of the day. what most.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's a, there's an understanding that there's a lot of innovative people here. And I think uh, um, investment communities outside of Alberta recognize this area as a, as a great place to find talent to invest in. But um, I don't think it's something okay. that's, you know, once it's left Alberta, I don't think the fact that it's from Alberta is talked about enough. I, I think we need, we do need to talk more about uh, uh, the successful stories.
0: Even about celebrating our own successes here. We'll forget about even outside of this mm-hmm. market. This is the town of best kept secrets. I've certainly Yeah, found.
1: absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's as a marketer that to me, that's just, that, that's a solvable problem <laughs> in my mind. Yeah.
1: Well, we have a different mindset here. We're, we're not a, we're proud, but we're not prideful. You know, we don't boast. We yes. don't, you know, we we don't have uh, the mentality of of screaming it from the mountaintop that we've succeeded, that we've you know we've conquered an industry and done remarkably well. We don't do that. That's just not who we are hmm
0: Which is a trick because if you fake it, it sh- that doesn't that's not sincere. Yeah. But if nobody knows about the awesome things you're doing, that that can be a bit of a, a negative as well. I think it's it's about finding what what your version is. Yeah. You're right. It's not to look at another, you know, there's other places, other parts of the world that are very quick to tell the story almost bigger than it is in reality, where we kind of undertell the story. We we understate it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's broad broad terms. So you made a couple of references, CDL, you talked about Alberta Innovates. It, any platforms or anything that you want to draw attention to that, again, just maybe isn't back to the best kept secrets. Is there any organizations or support networks that you've really found, or even that you're aware of that you might not work with, but you've seen it through your 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 peer group that you want to draw attention to? Because part of the show is also getting some of those things front and center so people know they even exist to go out and and get help themselves to innovate their idea or grow. Their yeah.
1: So, so what I find is really interesting when I talk to other startup communities is that when they're trying to develop their technologies or their ideas, they typically always Tend to go to a university for solutions, and they're missing a really uh, agile community and a wonderful think tank through like organizations. Organizations like here in town, the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, and the you know the Applied Research okay. and invasive Services Department. So, I mean, they are a tremendous group of people, very bright, very talented people, and I and it's it's it gets underutilized. I mean, you know if. I, I always refer to them as the, you know, the MIT of the North because they have such a, a talented bunch of people that uh, uh, that can can help realize your your idea. So it's uh, I would encourage other people to other startups and people with uh, with interesting ideas to to approach uh, Sate and and Aris uh, with their idea to see if they can if they can work together towards uh, uh, realizing whatever whatever it is they're trying to develop.
0: It's so that's and sorry. this first one, state, of course. And what was the second oh, one? What's, so what's there's the a
1: division inside SAIT, It's called uh, ARIS or the Applied Research and Innovation Services. Oh, it's a division. It's inside, in okay. SAIT. I was
0: like, no one is, no one's ever mentioned that on yeah. the show. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Yeah, good. it's great. Um, it's they've they've played a, a vital role in in a lot of the the work that we're doing with them. Even today, they're helping us develop um, uh, our our IoT platforms and our our our. Um, uh, some of our hardware to help communicate with us uh, remotely with how our systems are are functioning. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's like, a, I think we've got like a quarter million dollar uh, research and development project through uh, NSERC and uh, the. Oh, NSAID. excellent.
0: Okay. Right on.
1: Yeah.
0: Is IOT a big portion of what you guys do? It's just something that's only got on my radar in the last kind of year, the whole concept in general, and just. How fast and rapidly that that sector? I had Brenda Beckedorf on uh, a little while ago, chatting about it. But the whole the whole ILT space there's just something about it, and I just found it very interesting. Is that a big big portion or a component of what you it guys? It has do?
1: become so. Yeah, it's it's necessary for us to be able to know the health of our systems remotely. Obviously, we can't. We, we you know we want to reduce our costs. so We don't want to have a technician parked, you know, at our equipment 24 yeah, so hours a day. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, right. so to to allow us to. Monitor things like how much carbon it's capturing, how much uh, chemical it's producing, and and what you know what is the equipment that we're attaching to? What is it doing? Is your hot water tank functioning properly? Well, now we can you know now we can dial into that and say, well you know there's something wrong with your hot water tank. So we can call into that customer and, and tell them, say hey, like I think there's something wrong with your system, or we can send out a technician just to go and check it out. And then if there's an issue, report back to the customer. It's um, it really helps. Increase our efficiencies in logistics and in uh, 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 equipment operations. So it's it's absolutely it's become vital to to our business model.
0: And is it am I right to like? It seems like it's a very rapid growing. It seems like there's a lot of activity, a lot of things going on in Alberta around the IoT space. Yeah,
1: it really is. There's a lot of really cool startups out there that are developing. Uh, uh, novel novel platforms, IoT platforms. Uh, of course, all of it is supported by you know Telus has been doing a remarkable job and uh, helping us with uh, with uh, getting access to that uh, uh, IoT platform, uh, uh, broadband um, uh, uh, platform for uh, for our technology. And um, yeah, it's it's certainly once again, if you look back to where we started in two thousand and five, compared to now, it's a completely different right, environment. Yeah.
0: Just the opportunity to do things that just weren't even well. Can you imagine living through this pandemic ten years ago? No, what that would be would like? Like, we, like I can't even. It's, like you and I right now doing a podcast online, like it's as close to sitting in the room as you can yeah. get. Really <laughs> sitting in yeah, the Yeah,
1: exactly. Room. Didn't didn't exist. There's so many things in just such a short period of time didn't exist ten years ago.
0: Yeah, they just weren't no. even. You know, can you imagine? You know, imagine if we will. You know, there's always that that the cold concept of you know the end of history phenomena, which I find interesting. You know, so you know how much you think things are going to change in the next ten years. Well, you know, you know. It's, we've kind of arrived, you know. That it's oversimplified versus you know how much has it changed the last ten years, and it almost blows your mind if you process mm-hmm. it. Can you imagine ten years from now with the pace of change? It's it's pretty exciting. It's kind of overwhelming with not even knowing
1: what's around on the- so many levels. On so many levels, whether we're talking transportation, <laughs> yes. whether we're talking the energy sector, whether we're talking communications, aerospace. I mean, you know, the future is fast approaching. Well, actually, the future is here. You know, if if we were, you know, twenty years ago, looking at where we're at today, we'd say, "Wow!" I mean, that's, you know, that's the Jetsons uh, here. You know, we're it,
0: this is, we're 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 living in this in in the sci-fi future we used to watch movies yeah, about. I've,
1: I've, absolutely, I say Jetsons. That's kind heard? of kind it, it, of kind of dating ourselves, I guess, a little bit. But uh,
0: well, you well, I'm I'll, I'll a bit. I know what you meant. <laughs> If anyone is curious, please Google it. Uh, there'll be lots of little clips. You'll get yeah, it real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I hear? It's, you know, I think it's an old quote, but the f- the future has already arrived. It's just not that it's just not evenly distributed, yes. <laughs> like in terms of the pockets and and that. I've had some recent guests on just talking about the evolution of robotics, the evolution of AI, and how that's going to disrupt the workforce and how we need to get ready for that. And then cryptocurrency and how that you know has has so many efficiencies and value value elements baked into it how can it not eventually evolve to be a go-to way of transacting between organizations? And it's so interesting when you start like getting it's, it's all happening, but it's easy to, cause it's all in, it's slowly. And then it's all of a sudden, it's typically what happens with, with innovation and and evolution of things. Yeah. absolutely. So on that, on that note, as we talk about a bunch of different industries, I always love to ask this question. Like it's so many different answers around it. If you were going to take two industries, That you know we're 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 on the chessboard and we're going to collide these two industries together because they could learn from each other and maybe they don't connect or don't see that. Is there anything that would come to mind from you? And you did mention the blue collar versus white collar, some things like that. But is there any wholesale industries? You're like, man, if they could start talking, the things they could learn from each other. Wow, that would create some change. Anything come
1: to mind? I'm I'm all about the heating industry, and you know if you look at the heating industry as a whole, it's it's really outdated. You know. that there hasn't really been a lot of major advances in terms of how we derive our heat for our buildings. So, you know, if, okay. if you know the scientific community could get together with the heating industry and they could really double down their efforts in terms of, of how we generate heat for our homes to keep us comfortable and warm and safe, uh, I think that would be really remarkable. I mean, it's a wonderful space to play in, just because it's it's all low hanging fruit. Because it's all you need to do is walk into any. It's it's
0: it's it's so it's so real, right? It's so pra- it's so applicable, yeah.
1: And practical. Yeah, it's a it's a it really is a marvelous. I'm I'm grateful that I happened to stumble into this industry, uh, you know, back uh, twenty years ago, and and just seeing all of these things that are so outdated. Um, yeah, it's just I,
0: I, when you made the comment earlier that. Yeah. You made the comment earlier about, you know, efficiency. It's like in so many, so much opportunity for us to quote unquote, get better at the things we do. It's not even necessarily it needs a wholesale change, but how do we get, how do we get the inefficiencies and the unclean burning furnace or the half, half working hot water tank, like all those things you mentioned, how do we just get them up to a standard where they're even working to the best of their ability would be a leap forward in a lot of cases just unto yeah. itself.
1: Well, I, you know, uh, 25% of the uh carbon emissions in this country come from the heating industry it's, you know it's,
0: oh but, interesting that's a bit that's yeah, a real but we don't
1: we don't really talk about that right we talk about transportation we talk about electric cars and you know we talk about you know uh fusion and and we talk about pv and you know um it's, it's sexier, yeah, it totally it's is, sexier. <laughs> right? But nobody, nobody pays attention yeah. to that, that little room in your house that plays such a vital role, right? You know, you, you don't really care about your furnace until it doesn't work anymore. And, and, and you know, it's minus 30 outside. And now oh, it's the most important yeah. part of your house, right? But we don't talk about it enough.
0: <laughs> you have my undivided exactly. attention. It's funny. I was very fortunate about six years ago, six and a half years ago. Uh, my wife and I were buying a home, and we were shopping around, and we ended up finding a home that we that we that we that we really liked. But it was uh, in floor heating with solar collector on the roof with glycol heating mixture. And it was so intimidating and I was like, whoa, this seems interesting, but I don't even like, pff, I'm not sure about this. It's so different than what I was used to the forced air, mm-hmm. you know, the basic kind of setup. So, and it was had the home inspector come and kind of walk me through and kind of like de- like de it for me by explaining it to me, of going, listen, it's different, but it's not, this is not scary. It's just not what yeah. you're used to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't live in a different home. Like my heating bill, it costs nothing because someone had the foresight when they built it. I have got a home led the builder and got to know him and kind of understood and felt some confidence in how they did it. But they kind of stepped outside of the norm to do something that was different. And my house is twice as big, but it cost me half as much as it did to heat my last house because it's just more right. efficient. It's, and it's an ICF home, so there's a bunch of factors. But someone had to be brave enough to go, you know what, we're just going to think of this problem and not just throw in a furnace like we always do and do it differently. And, you know, there was moments where I almost didn't buy the house because of it, really glad I did. And now I couldn't imagine not doing it this way because it's so much more efficient. But someone somewhere took that risk of, made, of, of went outside the norm of how you do it.
1: Well, that speaks to, you know, that speaks to people in general though, right? We're creatures of habit. We, we don't like, you know, the, speaking in general terms here, but most people don't like to do yes. things that are abnormal, right? It's uh, if I go out and I buy a house, I want it to, you know, look a certain way and I want rooms and I want light switches to work a certain way and I want, you know, and then there's this room in the house and it just provides me comfort. But if it seems complicated or I don't understand it, it's yeah, it's of course, that's a, that's a pretty common reaction. So I don't, uh, you know, it's probably going to be Good expensive time. to fix if it breaks and it's probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to break a lot and uh, it's,
0: <laughs> it's scary. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> But when you think of you think of the pace of change and the rate of change we're in now, and just the whole you know what makes uh, I'm sure you've read Who Moved My Cheese somewhere along the way about just the since we're referencing old uh, you know I think when I first got into corporate world someone gave me that that book Ken Blanchard Who Moved My Cheese but it's about change and our fear of change and you know right now we're thrust into an environment where change is happening to us whether we like it or not does that make us more comfortable with it I don't know it's still you think about what we've got to do in Calgary and how we literally quote unquote need to look at almost every single thing differently it, it is you know it's easy to say in passing in a podcast i do appreciate there's a lot of things that like have to come together to you know de-risk it enough for people to to try it and step out of their comfort zone which right now has kind of been flipped on its head anyway so that's maybe where that that opportunity that if it's already been created and we're already uncomfortable well let's lean in a little bit and see what we can do yeah, yeah. without getting too philosophical but i think i'm too yeah
1: we're, we're that yeah the ship has sailed <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> it's Friday. It's sunny out. It's beautiful. Um, geez, I appreciate all your perspectives and in your share of someone who's been on the journey and you know uh, still a, a startup. And like I love startup as a mindset more than more than anything else is kind of what what I, what I heard. But uh, what's how would people reach out to you? How do I buy your soap? Let's start. Let's start with job number one. I get soap. I understand it. I think it's cool what you're doing. How would I get my hands on it? And then of course, how would people get in touch with you? Because I always encourage you know reach out you know when you hear someone doing something different don't sit back and wonder call them up calgary's great people will answer the phone and they will yeah. call you back we got a yeah,
1: great I, city control. i i uh, i'm i'm very proud of the fact that we're all very approachable and we like talking to people about carbon capture and energy savings and Soap and all sorts of things. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. It's, it's weird. I never thought that that would ever be part of my narrative, but here I am. I, I, I quite enjoy uh, uh, a good bar of soap. There is a remarkable difference between, you know, the crappy cheap stuff that you buy off the shelf at uh, your big box stores versus the boutique stuff that uh uh that uh, a good soaper can make there is a, there is a difference there really is a difference so it's uh, it's it's fun to talk about that.
0: Do you have it do you have a youtube channel about, about, about you trying on different bars of soap like i didn't go look <laughs> but I, I,
1: I you know feel that's like, a great I feel idea like you could. There's a the content marketing play There's in here. There's totally for an sure. opportunity there. Yeah, I'm, you know, um, I probably would do it with uh, what, what? What is a good soap? Because
0: we we kind of it looks like a commodity, but it sounds like it's not yeah, at all.
1: No, I, absolutely. I think that's a that's a great idea. Um, yeah, we, do, we we do have a YouTube channel, but we generally talk more about heating than uh, uh, than we do about soap. But maybe that's something we should uh, spend more time talking about because it is such an important part of of who we are now. Um, uh, so, I mean, if you're interested yes. in our soaps, you can uh, – Amory Supplies uh, does carry our liquid uh, uh, hand soap. Uh, you can buy it all across the country, but here in town it's uh, the Amory Supply just off the Blackfoot Trail in the south. And then uh, we also have our e-commerce channels, so you've got uh, our bars of soap. We have free uh, free delivery of our, our bar soaps for for Calgary and surrounding area, so I do curbside delivery where I'll deliver it myself or one of our team members will bring it to you.
0: Oh, excellent. Okay, and where and where do I just go to your clean 2ca Yeah. Excellent. I am, I am going to be making a pit stop here right after I get off my, get off, get off. Yeah. Yeah. Kid. Well, Jason, I, I really, I, I really, I'm I just, I'm just embracing this, this, you are know, listen to your journey of, you know, we were this and then we had some very hard conversations with some really smart people and we listened and we believe them. And now we yeah. do this. And there's so many lessons inside a journey like that. Like whatever that is for us, what, what are we, what are we tuning out because it's uncomfortable or what are we, what are we, what should we be listening to because it is uncomfortable? And I think there's a, there's a big lesson in there as we all we're run headlong into this, this, the new future, which is kind of hard to imagine right now because we've never been here. But it's probably going to be different than we were used to. And it's going to be uncomfortable from time to and time. And it
1: needs to be. You know, we always talk about how we help. What What can we do to remove the barriers for startups to make it easier for them? And I, I agree. There's some barriers maybe that, that need to be lifted in terms of getting access to revenue and and to supportive structures that help ideas grow. But it, it still needs to be difficult. I don't think we should ever take that away. I think that's a, that's an important yep. part of a growth of a of a business or idea is that it needs to face adversity often in order to make it resilient enough to move forward into oh, the future.
0: Well 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 said sir. I'm going to I'm going to let you I'm going to leave it on that note. I think that was very powerful. You're absolutely right. It's Great. Like, we, we 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 search for we search for comfort but that's not what defines no, us, isn't. right? It really isn't. <laughs> Well, Jason, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciated your candor and just being honest about your your own experiences and, like, from a business perspective, but also personal because we are we are still humans having these business experiences. And oftentimes, it's like getting out of your own way. And I heard that loud and clear from you guys today. So kudos on the good work you're doing, and I look forward. I'm going to be placing an order for some soap here within the next few minutes.
1: Great, yeah, good. Thanks, uh, thanks for chatting.